Thanks for tuning in to Beyond the Bench. This is a podcast for athletic directors, coaches, and leaders, and it's done by three athletic directors from Iowa. I'm Todd Gordon from Greene County in Jefferson, and I'll be joined by Scott Jarvis from Ankeny Centennial and Aaron Stecker from Cedar Rapids Kennedy. If you have any questions or comments you'd like to leave us, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at beyondthebenchgls at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and let's get to today's podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Beyond the Bench. And you are listening live to Season 3, Episode 4. And uh, we are continuing today with a, a little bit of a journey through educational-based athletics and activities. Uh, we covered the last episode you heard. We talked with some uh, very high-profile athletic directors, guys, uh, from across the country. And a great episode there. And uh, today, we're going to talk with some coaches, uh, some very successful coaches, and uh, who I know do it the right way and uh, do it for the right reasons. So uh, we're excited about this this episode. And uh, uh, how's everything been uh, over there with you, Scott? It's been good. Uh, you know, we, we opened up a little bit more for our fans. So now our varsity athletes get to bring uh, four people to the games and we continue to allow our lower level two, and then our visitors get to have two. So um, we've got about, between our two gyms, we have 636 people with our cheer and dance parents that we can get in. Now, I don't know that we've had 636 yet, but um, between our two gyms, we got quite a few people there. So it's it's been nice. It's nice having the kids back in school full time, getting to see them in the hallways again. So that's been nice. Get, trying to pull a little energy from our kids in the hallways and getting to see them on a daily basis has been really nice this last week. Yeah, no doubt. You know, it's, uh, I, I think what's been probably the toughest about this guidance from the governor is that everyone can kind of do what they'd like, you know, depending on their facility, uh, depending on their community. Uh, we've got a couple smaller mm-hmm. gyms around here that have opened it up for everything. So mm-hmm. they have, they have no restrictions except the mask and, try to distance, but when they put a lot of people in there, you can't distance. Um, we have maintained, uh, we allow eight for our home side. We allow four for visitors, uh, per athlete, per coach, uh, participant. Um, so 
that's kind of where we landed. Uh, one of the first, fr the first Friday it was opened up after she released that, one of those smaller gyms, we had a little uh, AD email or a text strand going. And somebody said, well, how was it at this school? I won't mention the school. But they said, how was it over there? And they said it was hot, sweaty, and crowded. <laughs> to which I replied, I am not interested in hot, sweaty, and crowded at this no. point. No, so, no. <laughs> uh, you know, to each their own. Um, we hosted the conference wrestling tournament uh, here on Friday. And oh, we wow. allowed just two per wrestler. Yeah. And our gym holds about 1,300. And I was pretty comfortable with where we were at. Uh, just with that number, um, what, by the time all the wrestlers are in there and then, you know, there too, it was just crowded enough for me, but everybody did a good job and uh, wore their masks and distance when they needed to. So, um, yeah, it, it's just, uh, again, it's, it's just day by day. And I, I think one of the toughest parts for us as ADs is communicating that to our, our patrons, uh, to our stakeholders who, you know, well, tonight you can take two. Well, tomorrow night you can bring eight to Greene County. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then we go to this school. Well, you can have four. Yeah. Uh, and you go to this school, you can take anybody you want. So it's just constant communication with game by game, site by site. Burning up those social media accounts, Todd. Well, I, yeah. And, and like you say, like we've talked about before, you can communicate it all you want and people don't read it. No. <laughs> and they show up and wonder why they can't get in. Yeah, right. And then you're the bad guy again. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm used yeah. to it. Take a number. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Aaron, how big Ben Cedar here, Rapids? It goes from here to Cedar Rapids. That line yeah. does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, exciting week for us, actually. It was our, you know, I talked about before, uh, we were getting our kids back this week and that happened for us. So Tuesday we had kids back in the building. Um, we're still in, in, in hybrid mode. So half our kids could come, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, the other half would come Thursday, Friday uh, is the way we're doing two day rotations. Um, it's interesting. They're taking their time and taking it slow coming back. Uh, we could probably have 820 would be about our half our student body could show up each day. And we have yet to get to 300. We've been about 265 mm. to 280 um, in, in terms of attendance. So which is what our, our two sister schools, Wash and Jeff, when they both opened up in uh, early December, same thing. Um, a lot of kids just decide, you know, the learning's the same whether they're in the building or at home. So we're just going to stay home yeah. uh, and, and be safe here at home or stay home, be in my PJs and put my blank screen up and play my video games, uh, you know, which, whichever way they're doing it. But they'll come back. It'll take some time. But it felt good to have some energy back in the building uh, as well. And we've opened things up a bit. I had my first student section on Friday night. We had a girl boy doubleheader with Linmar and uh I opened it up to 30 students. I had a section where I felt I could go three kids per per row and I've got 20 rows. So I went every other row. So mm -hmm. I was looking at 30, uh, had 24 actually come. Uh, so they'll, they'll make their way back there as well. But it was just, it, it almost felt normal mm -hmm. on Friday night. Yet as I looked in the gym uh, for a while, I was like, ooh, there's a lot of people here. But I, I looked around and, and some others reminded me that if people wanted to spread out, if they looked around them and didn't feel comfortable that they had their six yeah. feet, they could move to other sections of the gym and they would have had plenty of space to spread out. So uh, yeah. it was it's starting to feel that way. Let's just hope our numbers keep holding and uh, yep. and we can keep doing what we're doing because it's, it's good for our schools, good for our communities and kids. Absolutely. You bet. Glad your kids are back, too. That's great. That was exciting. It was, yeah. it was time. 
Yeah, for sure. Well, hey, let's uh, let's dive right in. And uh, Aaron, you're going to kind of introduce us in through this uh, the journey we're on right now and, and into our yeah. guests. Um, excited. As, as Todd mentioned, this is part two coming at you today. Uh, in our... <laughs> I get a kick in our production meeting we had earlier this, uh, <laughs> this January because, you know, we're big timers here on, on Beyond the Bench yeah. now. Yeah, we are. Um, so, uh, but we just come up with this idea of, of, of just taking folks through the educational and athletics journey from a bunch of different perspectives. Uh, one of the things we've always talked about is we love visiting with other people and getting their perspective, uh, understanding things through different people's uh, lenses. And, and so we're doing that with this journey. We talked with ADs. Uh, last time around and brought in three, three people way smarter than the three of us uh, Amen. and uh, learn from them and excited part two here. We're going to bring in three great coaches again, uh, better coaches than I ever was. I'll speak for myself. I know these three are, I'm excited to learn from them and get their, their experiences um, and, and get those takeaways of, of how we can make educational athletics better. So uh, I'll go ahead and start. Um, I'll introduce Michelle Goodall, Michelle uh, and I actually, started Kennedy High School, professionally anyway, at the same time. She actually is a Kennedy alum. I'll let her talk more about that uh, as she goes. But we actually started coaching together at Kennedy in uh, 1999. Uh, so did that for 20 years. We were uh, coaching colleagues for several years. Then I jumped over to the AD role. And uh, I don't know that a lot changed between us other than maybe different conversations or more, more frequent conversations about coaching. Um, loved working with Michelle, highly successful high school coach. Um, I thought, I always felt had a great balance between competitiveness, um, but never forgetting her true purpose of building young women through the sport of volleyball. Uh, great success, man. We had some great runs and some great teams, uh, with her as our head coach there at Kennedy and just some epic battles at state. Uh, man, I can still remember that Iowa city West semifinal game. Uh, you know, we had three young ladies uh, that were just fantastic volleyball players and they did as well. And man, that was a fun season and, and a fun run. So I had some great runs in the shell. She's got a really cool gig now. Um, she moved on from Kennedy and I'll let her talk about that. But Michelle Goodall, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Um, what a treat. It's great to see you again. It's been a couple of years that, since Aaron and I have had to hang out like he indicated. Um, I, when you asked for our bios, I didn't think to go all the way back to high school, but <laughs> I am a Kennedy alum, and I love that. Um, I was raised by a girl dad and my devoted mom, and we I have three sisters, and all four of the die girls came through the Kennedy programs. All of, all of us were athletes, and we were, you know, just in it for all the right reasons, had a great balance at home and just loved competing. Um, from Kennedy, I went on to play in college. I played, um, I played two years at Cornell College. So I was able to play basketball and volleyball both and then got married and had my first child and then moved out to Colorado and finished my journey out there. Um, when I was playing volleyball, my when I was playing volleyball my junior year, I was coaching basketball. So that was my first intro to basketball. I mean, to coaching in general was when I was in college. And then when I was playing basketball my senior year, because we had to transfer again, um, I was out of eligibility in volleyball. So I played basketball my senior year at University of Southern Colorado. And I coached volleyball that fall. So it's been with me since I was maybe 
I don't know, second, third grade. We didn't do the junior sports scene, but we definitely all the sisters would go over to the schoolyard and play. Um, but yeah, then I was, um, when I came back to Kennedy, 99, I don't remember. Is that sound right, Erin? Yeah, 99. And was there for 20 years. When I was taking the tour with the then AD, Mark Stewart, I looked at the placard and I saw the other two coaches that were ahead of me were really devoted to Kennedy and were there forever. And I said, there's no way I could be here for 15 years, mm-hmm. uh, but I'll give you good, you know, I'll be here for five for sure. And here it was 20. So I was there for 20 years, loved every bit of it, every bit of it. Um, didn't know when I graduated with like psychology and business administration that then I would only be a coach the rest of my life. But this has really been the only career that I've had is coaching. Um, I currently, two years ago, was offered um, a really sweet opportunity to work with the Team USA. And so now I'm working with our Paralympic volleyball team. Um, We train at UCO, University of um, Central Oklahoma, and they're pretty good. They're rated number one in the world. We're set to go to the Paralympics later this year, hopefully. Fingers are crossed. Don't listen to those rumors. We hear they're not true. Um, and just really enjoy enjoy the journey. Cool. Thanks. Thanks, Michelle. And it's so You're excited to, to have you on and, and learn more from you. So thanks for joining us. I'll kick things to Todd and, and you can introduce your coach that you brought with you, Todd. You bet. Thanks, Aaron. Um, the coach I brought, uh, Mark Hoekstra from Carlisle. Uh, I worked with Mark for three years when I was in Carlisle as the activities director there. And, you know, between Scott and I, we kind of have a contest, see who can be at the most schools in a career. And so as I think back through the coaches I've been able to interact with uh, through my time, you know, as a coach and then as an activities director uh, at, at several different schools, um, you know, I had I had different people kind of run through my mind at each spot. But um, at the end of the day, when I when I'm thinking about coaches who are impactful and who are three dimensional, um, who coach with great passion and lead with great passion, um, Mark is the guy that is just always comes to the front for me. Um, it seemed like a short three years there, um, but I learned a lot just by watching Mark and how he ran his program. Um, so I have a lot of respect and a lot of appreciation for Mark. Uh, his teams are hard-nosed. They come at you play after play. And uh, one thing I really appreciated uh, about how he did it too. Um, but he's also impactful off of the field and the guys love him. Um, all the kids at Carlisle love him. I know that because one of the highlights of my year uh, he's also the strength and conditioning uh, PE teacher there. Uh, but around Christmas time, every class of his does a video, a Christmas video. And that's a project they do while they're in school. And uh, those are posted on Twitter and different places. And it's just a highlight to see him interact with those kids, the skits they do in about a two or three minute video, every one of his classes. So um, he impacts a lot of kids there in Carlisle in a very positive way. So Mark, thanks for joining us and uh, just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself as well. Yeah. You know, when I was thinking about my uh, journey, uh, when you sent that script, I forgot about the, uh, the Christmas videos. <laughs> <laughs> and 
and the, the outreach they have. So yeah, we do. do it, it all it all stemmed from one time. You know, Todd, I think you were there. Maybe I don't know, but we'd had a night where it was Tuesday. It was Wednesday, last day of school. The wrestlers had wrestled that night. The basketball players had played. The lifting was done for the year, or you know, for the we were, it was a day off from lifting, and nobody wanted to be there. So I was like, we got to come up with something. So that's how it all started. Probably might, might have been when you're still there. But. Yeah. Um, besides Christmas cards, I, I, I started at Sheldon High School. I graduated from there. That's up in Northwest Iowa. Um, played football and basketball and and uh, and baseball up there. And then I graduated and went to Buena Vista University and played football there. Um, when I was there, I actually went there to be a finance major, Todd, if you believe that. But um, in the middle of it all, my wife, my, who's my wife now, my girlfriend at the time, she said, you know, you need to. I, I just wasn't happy doing what I was doing. And she said, you need to look at coaching. And I didn't know if that was the right thing, but anyhow, so that's where I kind of made that decision. I was going to get into coaching because I just, I just loved it so much. You know, I just, that was my deal. I like, I liked everything about it. I liked the training and I liked the sport. And um, so we left Buena Vista after I decided to be a coach and my, well, I was going to be a college coach. So I went to go get a, I got a student assistance um, job at Pittsburgh state university down in, Pittsburgh, Kansas, and uh, it's a Division II school down there, and uh, part of that staff, learned a lot, had made a lot of great connections there, learned right away that I, it was real important to me to be a father, and uh, and I realized that it was, it's hard to do that in college. Um, you're busy. There's a lot of weekends, so kind of changed my course again and decided to be a high school coach, so got on at Carl Junction, Missouri which is, uh, it's, it's now a 4A school in Missouri. It's a 3A school at the time, right outside of Joplin. It's a little bedroom community of Joplin, really is what it is. And I was an assistant there for four years. Um, the head coach left to take a college job, uh, took over for him, was the head coach there for three years, and then uh, came up to Carlisle in 2004. And um, so that's kind of, how I ended up in Carlisle. And I, like I said, uh, I've been there for, this is my 17th year. So we kind of came up here to raise some kids and got those out of the house and we're still here. So <laughs> that's my trip. Well, I, I think uh, the story of your trip, Mark, kind of goes back to what Aaron and Scott and I talk about all the time. And that is that our wives are a lot smarter than we are. Mm-hmm. And if we just listen to them, they'll usually put us on the right path. Yep. Sounds yeah, like you did the I, same thing. Yeah. I thought I was going to be a banker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, Michelle, that means she chose, smarter than she you. chose a better path for me. She yeah. did. Yeah, yeah. Now, Mark, before we move on from you, though, so Sheldon, because uh, I'm thinking mascots here. Are you guys are the, the Orabs? Is that right? Yep. The, the, the orange and blacks. I always wonder where the Orabs came from, the orange and blacks, and then Pitt State, the gorillas. So you've had two very unique yeah. mascots in your history. Yeah, I think there's like, there might be one other gorilla. Yeah, I think mascot in the U.S. and I'm guessing there's no other Orabs. Did Did you like running out through the big gorilla head down there? Yeah, it, was, it was pretty. It was, it was interesting. Right. It was, I mean, it was a good time. I mean, that was that was a that's quite a program down there. It is uh, very storied. Uh, so that Mark is about was, as close to Division One football as you can get while being in Division Two football. I mean, they, Mark was uh, Jim DeYoung, the AD at Sheldon when you were in high school. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, awesome. he was. Hmm. He was my dad's high school track and basketball coach. Really? Yep. In Jefferson, South Dakota. Wow. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, here's our AD. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Mark. Yep. Scott, how about you, buddy? Well, I'm excited uh, to have uh, Coach Kohler with us. Um, I had the opportunity to get to know Coach Kohler while I was out at Eastside Catholic out in Seattle, Washington. Um, and I Todd kind of described Mark this way, but uh, was just um, very impressed with uh, Coach Kohler and his program. He did things the right way. Um, he's a great mentor for me moving out across the country. Uh, you know, the, the traveling Woolbury uh, AD here, Scott Jarvis, going out to Seattle. So um, always uh, had good conversations uh, with Mr. Kohler, and um, he always had great insight especially with, um, you know, his experience with the Metro League in the Seattle area, which is one of the best conferences in the state um, and runs a, a, an absolutely fantastic football program. Um, and, he, and the one thing I always admired about him the most is that he truly is a 3D coach and um, he does it for the right reasons. It's not for the wins and losses. It's really literally about uh, developing great young men and um, – he does that over and over again, and his success speaks for itself. I believe he has four state championships, and his winning percentage is crazy. But uh, even more so, I know uh, the impact he's made on a, a lot of young men's lives in the Seattle area. So great to have you on here, Coach. Thanks, Scott. <laughs> um, some of that's true. Um, oh, it's all true. It's all true. <laughs> so, um, I grew up in Montana. I'm a product of Catholic education. I went to Catholic grade school, Catholic high school, and Catholic college. Uh, and now I've been teaching at a Catholic all-boys school for 36 years. Um, you know, I uh, always knew I wanted to be a coach and a teacher. I have uh, three older brothers. Uh, one's a priest and two of them are teachers. And so I was kind of maybe groomed down that line. And uh, my older, one of my brothers was a track guy. And so I didn't want to go down that road. So I decided to go football. Um, and I, I wasn't a great player at all. I barely saw the field in college, but I loved the game. Only played two years in college. My first coaching and teaching job was in uh, a place called Opine, Montana. Uh, it was uh, eight-man football, and uh, some of my classes, we only had 10 kids in the total class. I had five preps, uh, but I loved it. I loved being there. I loved the kids, and uh, it was different, but it was a great experience. I coached uh, football, boys basketball, girls basketball, and track for three years. I was an assistant football coach one year there. Then I was a head football coach the next two, and so I've been a head football coach um, 38 of my 39 years. I came to O'Day High School here in Seattle, Washington in 1985. Um, and then in 1987, I became the athletic director. Um, been in the classroom. Actually, this is the first year that I have not been in the classroom. I was an AP U.S. history teacher. Um, yeah, I love the classroom. Uh, we're not back in school yet. We go back in a hybrid situation tomorrow. So I guess I had to teach uh, to the computer screen last uh, spring. <laughs> Didn't really like that. So I, I, you know, I'm glad I'm not in the classroom this year. I love the classroom and maybe I'll get back in at some point. Um, you know, I always thought that I would be in Seattle for about five years and then ended up back in Montana. And it, I just, you know, it just never worked. I found my home here um, and it's been great. I was single till I was 46 years old. I had a lovely wife, Jana. And then I had my first child when I was 48, my second, my daughter when I was 49. 
Uh, so I still have babies. Uh, my, my son is actually a junior here at high school, and that's been a blessing. And my daughter is a freshman at the all-girls school here in Seattle. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a kind of a neat thing for me because Holy Names Academy is tied to our school. So, you know, I, I get to be with my kids uh, kind of on a daily basis a little bit. So uh, it's been a blessing to be here, and thanks for having me on the show. Now, Coach, uh Sister Mary takes all the credit for uh, hooking you up with your wife. So, yeah, my wife was the athletic <laughs> director at the all girls school and that's how yeah. we met. So, yeah, she, she probably, she probably uh, accepts that uh, she was the, the reason why Jana had anything to do with you. So I, I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. Well, thank you all three. And uh, we look forward to talking with you here um, shortly as well, but we are going to pay some bills now and uh, talk about our sponsors. And I will. Uh, so if you got to take a break, uh, you've got a few minutes here before we get back into you. But are you an AD interested in saving time or making your job a little less stressful? Or are you looking for ways to improve the fan experience at your games? Well, we suggest you take a good look into hometown ticketing. Hometown ticketing provides schools with everything needed to offer professional level online ticketing at absolutely no cost to your school or athletic program. Hometown integrates industry-leading technology directly into your existing school or athletic website. This provides your fans with a simple and easy ticket buying experience that takes place directly on your website without the need for them to create an account, remember a password, or download an app. From individual game tickets to customized season pass programs, our friends at Hometown Ticketing can customize an entire ticketing platform for your program. And the best part of it, it doesn't cost your school or athletic program anything to get started. So own your, own your ticketing with Hometown Ticketing, the official ticketing partner of VNN Sports. Visit www.hometownticketing.com to enroll your school today. That's www.hometownticketing.com. And I've got Gipper. Do you want your athletic program to stand out on social media? Now you can with Gipper. Using Gipper, you can create and share professional sports graphics to social media in seconds on any device and without needing design experience at all. Try Gipper out for free at gogipper.com backslash athletics. That's gogipper.com backslash athletics. Thank you, Scott. Uh, our third sponsor we've got uh, that excited to have join us is Varsity Bound. And we've talked a lot about how uh, the team of Varsity Bound has supported us as ADs uh, here, especially this last 10 months with the, the COVID tracking system and, and the way they've expanded in providing support for ADs. I think sometimes we forget where they were born uh, in the quick stat days, and now they've shifted quick stats over to Varsity Bound and the public interface they create by uh, creating one spot uh, for the media and for fans and for student athletes, uh, college recruiters, et cetera, to, to find statistics. Uh, so if you go to ia.varsitybound.com, you'll come across uh, just every statistic for high school sports that you want to come across. And it really is a great tool and a great way to showcase our high school sports programs, our high school athletes. Uh, I think it's unique to our state. I think you'd be hard pressed to find other states that have that, that type of a service uh, or product. Um, 
to showcase uh, high school sports and high school achievements. So thanks to everybody at Varsity Bound for all they do supporting high school athletics and our high school athletes and coaches and supporting us here at Beyond the Bench. All righty. Yes, thank you. Hometown Ticketing, Gipper, and Varsity Bound. Well, as we get going today, you know, we kind of started a little, um, just a little intro, I think, with our ADs. You might be an AD athletic director if or when. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of responses from around the country with that. And then we thought as we start dealing with coaches and then parents and then athletes, we'll kind of just ask the same thing. So to our coaches here, think on this. You might be a coach when or if, for example, you go 22 and four, you win a conference basketball title for the first time in 12 years at your school, you qualify for the state tournament. And you still have to answer for why you played play A over player B. That would never no. happen. Never, never happens at any of our schools. <laughs> you might be a coach if you're a first-time head coach and you win your first game as a head coach, and it's the first win the school has had in over five years, and your superintendent comes up and says, hey, man, you threw the ball too much that game. You go back and look <laughs> at the stats and you threw it 15 times, you're like, that's too much? They might really be angry next game when we throw a 20. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a personal experience. No, that would have never happened. Never. <laughs> These are all completely fictitious stories. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. So you might be a coach winner if um, any of our guests have any uh, anything that, that's happened there with them for that. Well, I would say, you know, in the past, I would have said, uh, you know, that I, you might be a coach if you've washed uniforms and driven a bus, all that. But, you know, the situation we've all gone through and what I've gone through this year, because we haven't done anything, is yeah. that if you've missed a uh, hundred teenage boys uh, for the last, whatever, nine months, uh, mm -hmm. you might know you're a coach. So, yeah, yeah. for awesome. sure. Yeah, that's tough. I can piggyback off that thought. Um, I was thinking the first thing that came to mind was a joke. And if all of your clothes, even your dress clothes have a sports logo, mm -hmm. or <laughs> then you know you're a coach. Uh, when you go to look for your dressiest outfit and it's matching sweats, then you know you're a coach. Um, but honestly, you know you're a coach when you wake up in the night worrying about other people's kids, then you know you're a coach. Yeah, yeah for sure. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, for me, too, it's it's like uh, you might be a coach or an AD, but it's when I was coaching more than anything, you're going out for, you know, a Saturday night, you get to go to, out with your wife or you go out for a meal and you walk out of the, the bedroom with your best school uh, polo on. And that's what you're going out in. And, and you get to look like you're wearing that out to eat on a non-school night. <laughs> but it's my favorite shirt. I know yeah. I, it fits very comfortably and I think I can get fatter in it, but going out to eat. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I got my stretchy pants on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I put in my matching sweatsuit to go out to eat. Right. <laughs> or a special like, date. Like Joey, my I got my face, sweatsuit. Uh, got my Thanksgiving pants on. Yeah. Uh, that's good. That's good. Mark, you got anything to add to the fray with that? Oh, the first thing that came to my mind is when you, you might be a coach if you're missing 
you're you're spending time with other people's kids and you're missing some of your own kids and stuff. You know, yeah. I, I just I just empty nested officially. It was the first time I did that, but I had a few of those times going through the whole deal where I, I'm missing some of my kids and stuff because you got to do some somebody other some other kids and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. Well, those are all good and they're all true. So uh, thanks for that. Well, now we're going to get down to the meat of the matter, and uh, we're going to run through a few questions with everybody and, and kind of hear your thoughts. Um, so we are really looking forward to this. Um, perspectives of the educational athletics journey journey from a coach's side. So, um, Michelle, we're going to start with you on this question. We'll go Michelle and then Mark and then Monty on this question. At the end of the day, with all the ups and downs of the job, what is your favorite part about being a coach? You'll find soon that I'm sarcastic. So I'll start with um, talking with the parents immediately after a win or a loss. That's my favorite thing. <laughs> it's not. And then I'll say that actually my favorite thing is um, I'd say just building relationships, getting to know the athletes, and building relationships with them and helping them problem solve, whether it's an X and O or whether it's, you know, a problem they've got going on in their lives. Uh, well, also, I also enjoy like the relationships built with the staff when we work together to solve problems and the staff includes our extended staff, like our athletic directors or our directors of ops, those kinds of things. So just the relationships built and just the, the human, the human side of coaching. Mark, what about you? What's your favorite part about being a coach? I really like it when that 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 time happens when you see a kid really kind of get on path, kind of get on the right path. Not not necessarily like do. I don't mean by like do things the way you want them to do them or anything, but you see that kid that all of a sudden he decides that he's going to start working in the weight room. He decides that he's going to quit thinking around in class and, and and being a distraction in class. And he decides that all of a sudden he probably should. Um, get his grades up. He probably, he decides that he's going to just kind of, you just kind of see him like they decide to maybe, maybe grow up a little bit or just, they like, I, I just consider it, I, I call it getting on the path. You know, they decide that like it's time to, that I need to start be kind of put the team ahead of my own personal interests and stop being late and all those little things. I, I really, when you start to see that happen, you know, when you get kids coming in and you first start really working with them as eighth graders, and then at some point in time, hopefully before they graduate, um, when that happens, I think that's that's one of those times that it's like that really feels good. Even if it's momentarily, you see that they're really giving an effort for it. So that's something that I really enjoy. That's great. It's a good one. Uh, Monty, what about you? What's your favorite part about being a coach? Well, I got to piggyback on Michelle. It's uh, it's the relationships and, and it's with the coaches and the players and, and also the players to players, how they relate and how they learn to grow together and what we call here brotherhood and then our coaches pieces, that camaraderie. You know, as a young coach, it used to always be about Friday night and and now it's building those relationships, you know, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday practice and, and watching them grind together and struggle together and, you know, build those relationships that can, you know, they really last a lifetime and we all know that because we're that's part of the reason we're in this game and what do what we do and 
You know, I have a coaching staff that is probably the old, oldest coaching staff in America and to be able to watch those coaches build these relationships and mold the kids that, uh, you know, we have. It's just unbelievable. So, you know, it's that relationship player to player, coach to player and coach to coach. So. Mm-hmm. Not surprising to me at all that all three of you would, would allude to that, uh, those relationship moments when you just see the kid get it or, or, those special moments with, with kids and other coaches. So thanks for sharing those. Now, this may not pertain to you three with the three coaches we have on here. I'm sure it's all been roses and perfect and never been uh, any frustrating parts of being a coach with you guys. So maybe we should skip this question, but maybe we'll take it on anyway. Um, so you talked about your favorite part about being a coach. Mark, we'll start with you this time. What can be one of the, one of the more frustrating parts of being a coach? I would say that it's when you have a good thing going and things are, you know, the majority of it's positive and it's, and it's all going in the right direction. And somebody decides to come in, whether it be a, you know, a kid or a, or a parent or a relative or somebody, and they just kind of want to just wreck it all just because of their personal interests aren't being met. And, you know, and it's, it's like you're treating the kid the right way. The kid's having a great time even though they may not be playing or it's something along that lines to where it's, it's, it's a good situation and things are really rolling along and somebody's personal uh, needs aren't being met and they decide to just throw a big monkey in the wrench and, and just, and, uh, and just try to derail something like, Hey, hold on. This, this is really a good thing. You're, you know, your son or your, you know, your nephew is having a good time or, or, Hey, the guys on the team are really enjoying this. Don't, don't just wreck it because, it may not be quite fitting you the way that it, that you would you think it should. Well, follow up on that, Mark. Do you find most of the time that that is an outside or external uh, force rather than the kid itself, the kid themselves, with the issue? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I say this. This I say this in every parent meeting that I have. I say, you know, when the when your son comes home and they're going to be upset, they're going to be upset at times at some point in time, because, you know, not everything's going to go their way. You know, and if you, if you um, fuel that, you know, they're going to, you know, if they come home and they think that they're not being treated fairly, if you tell them that they're not being treated fairly, or you, you know, if you, if you feel that, then they don't stand a chance and, and you kind of make it the situation worse. Whereas if they come home and they say, this isn't going well or, or whatever. And you, you, and you as a parent, you just say, you'll be all right you know, you're, you're fine. It's okay. Then all of a sudden they, they just like, well, I guess it's going to be okay. So, uh, you know, and I just, you know, there's, there's a lot of influences when you, as you guys know, when you're, whatever you're trying to accomplish mm-hmm. and, and it's, and it's pretty easy for someone to come in from the outside and just kind of derail it, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's definitely usually from the outside. Cause I, I think for the most part, the inner workings of something, if, if it's done right and, and you really just in that bunker mentality, you know, it's kind of like, in the preseason, I always feel really good about where we are as a team. And I know it's just going to be a challenge as soon as we disperse and, and we start getting the general population and, and, and the game start and everything, all the noises start to come in. Mm-hmm. It's difficult. The noise. Yep. You're right. Part of the hardest thing to manage is coaches. All right, Monty, we're going to go to you next. What do, what do you find being one of the more you know, frustrating parts? 
Well, you know, I don't have a lot of parent issues. I mean, we do, but we don't have booster clubs. I don't really deal with any of that. But what I, what's frustrating to me and has, especially recent years is, you know, I love the game of football and I love what the game of football can teach. But I think the game and, and athletics in general, but especially football is under attack on many fronts. And yes, things needed to change safety issues and the way things are coached and, you know, all of that. Um, but a lot of people just jumped on the bandwagon to, to bring down, you know, athletics in general, you know, and I think there's a lot of pieces and levels and layers to that uh, that need to be dealt with. And we need to deal with as coaches and administrators, uh, you know, the idea of sports specialization. Uh, you know, I was head track coach for 30 years. I just don't understand why somebody thinks they own a kid and why they should only do one sport. Um, you know, we're dealing with seven on seven issues out here. And again, think it's great. But again, they want them to themselves. They want all the credit for the kids. And, you know, we're putting it, it's becoming an us and them kind of thing. And with kids getting caught in the middle, and that's just not fair to kids to put them in a situation to uh, have to make choices. And, you know, I think we, you know, if we can just be open up front with kids and, you know, you know, I've coached a long time and I've never, ever said, and we've had a lot of great players here and I've never said to in any setting that he's mine. I don't own any of these kids belong to their parents. You know, we might guide them and mold them a little bit here, but ultimately when they go home, they belong to their parents or their guardians. And, you know, we just have a, a small piece in that and we just got to keep building that and fighting for our game, our sport, you know, and, and the competition and the levels that, and the lessons that it can teach as we move forward. So that's, what's frustrating me is that people attack it for no reason. Yep, uh, I would agree. The tug of war, tug of war game we play with kids um, is awfully frustrating. Thanks for sharing that, Coach uh, Michelle. How about you? I was definitely nodding my head when both of the other coaches were talking because I feel I feel Mark when he was talking about when others come in and try to impose their own goals on your program and. That that is frustrating, and I you can feel that, and you you know when the athlete is on board in your gym, and then when they go home, they're you know they're they're trying to have allegiance to their folks too, and so they're listening and listening, and then it does it comes back and it impacts impacts what you're what you're doing. Um, I had a unique frustration at Kennedy, and I don't think this is you know worldwide, but we have a no cut school. And it, I, I believe still, at least two mm -hmm. years ago, it was no cut. Yeah, we had no cut. We really encouraged um, our student athletes to participate in, you know, multiple sports. We had good synergy between staff and we had really big numbers. On average, I had 100 athletes, 912, and it was just logistics were challenging. And I think the frustrations that we found is no matter how hard um, our staff worked to produce really valuable competitive playing opportunities for everyone, it was, it was just frustrating when we knew that at the end of the day that, you know, some kids might not get you know, great opportunities to compete and wear the Kennedy jersey. And that, I don't know, just kind of 
being a relationship coach is kind of a bummer. So I would invite parents at the beginning of our parent meeting. I would definitely say, you know, this is going to be frustrating for some of you. Um, our gyms are open. Let me know if you want to come. If your kid's getting a lot of their playing time in the practice gym, let me know and just come on in and we'll set up a chair for you. You can watch and, you know, cheer for them. Cheer? I don't know. <laughs> cheer for them there. But yeah, just just try to work around some of those frustrations. Yeah, I don't know. That was that was so hard. It was one of the things I, I, I admired so much about you guys as staff is how hard you guys worked to get. Uh, and you say 100, Michelle. There's an awful lot of times we had 115 to 120 girls. 125. Yeah, between like yeah. 90 and 125. It's just yeah. a lot of athletes. Yeah. Uh, and how hard you guys worked. And it just never seemed to be uh, enough. And it went back to what Mark talked about. I think if you talk to most of our girls, they recognize how hard you guys were working to get them experiences and get them a chance to play. Uh, as much as they could, and you've and and they felt valued, but man, they would start hearing those external noises, as Mark put it, uh, about well, you're not playing in the games, and it just got tough on you guys. And that's the double-edged sword of the no-cut uh, policy in, in big schools is having to manage that. And how do you make sure every kid is valued and has a great experience when you probably can't get them all in the game uh, nearly as much as they'd like? But I thought you did it very well, Michelle. But I know that was a struggle. Thanks, coaches. Yeah. Just to comment on that, I, I know every year when we have our parent meeting, one of the things we talk about and all the coaches touch on a little bit is telling our parents that there's going to be nights when the kids come home and say, man, coach was really on me tonight. And our, you know, our parent you know, radar goes off and we want to try to defend them and try to save them instead of letting our kids work those problems. And we tell our parents, we love your kids. We want to make sure that we tell on our parent meetings, we love your kids. We want the best for them. That doesn't mean they're going to be a starter. That doesn't mean they're always going to be on the court of the field, but we do love them. We do care about them. We want to make sure, you know, there's going to be nights that are tough and you got to sit just like Mark said, you got to just tell them, Hey, I love you. And there's going to be times throughout your life that you're going to have to work with people. You don't always like, you're going to have to work with people that maybe doesn't share the same philosophy as you. And um, I think in our society, we've lost a lot of that, that, we're not going to have the same opinions all the time and we can still work together and we can still move forward without having to have everybody have share the same opinion we do. So um, we really make that an emphasis in our parent meetings now. So I, I just was you know, just reflecting on what our coaches have said and how important that is that, you know, our kids need to learn these lessons. And sometimes as parents, we try to, uh, and I think we talked about this last week a little bit, we try to make the path for our kids instead of their kids making the path for themselves. Um, and I thought that was very um, insightful um, uh, comment that was made last week on our show. So, um, well, I got the next question. We'll start with Coach Kohler here. But from your perspective as a coach, what is one thing you wish was better or done more often to improve educationally based athletics? I wish, uh, again, I can only speak for the state of Washington, and I think it's probably somewhat nationally, that high school sports um, was still a priority. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that it's scary to me that, you know, that the, the, I wish all kids, you know, that trying to get to the state tournament was kind of that ultimate goal uh mm -hmm. you know you know here in washington we've kind of lost soccer we've lost lacrosse uh we've lost swimming lost tennis we've lost golf um we still have basketball in a way 
Um, but the recruiting part of basketball is in the AAU hands. Um, the state mm-hmm. tournament is still a big thing. Uh, I think football's in danger. There was, you know, this not playing this last fall really opened up some doors and people talking about club football and, you know, mm-hmm. going a different direction and things like that. So uh, I, I just think if, if high schools, educational based athletics, if we lose that, we lose the lessons that we're supposed to be teaching in athletics and and we just can't afford to do that. I just, uh, every level, it's just too important. So that's what I wish we would do better that somehow we can create uh, high school sports as a priority again. Yeah, I completely agree. Thank you, coach. Michelle, how about you? I could easily just say amen and then see tears and hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) Then unmute myself because that's about exactly what I would like to say. Yeah. Um, Volleyball. um, Most of my time was spent coaching volleyball. Um, Volleyball is in the same space. There's it's the recruitment chase. And I don't know. I don't know. It's there's a big there's big challenges that we need to overcome. There's so much value in educational and based athletics. Um, Like Monty said, just all the lessons learned and just the the opportunities to grow great leaders in that space Mm -hmm. through the realm of sport that I don't know, we've got to figure it out because there's a lot of distractions for these athletes and then for the coaches just to have to kind of filter to keep them on board. Um, of course, of course, we're all stoked and super happy when our athletes continue moving on. I think one mm-hmm. of my goals as a coach is to not be an athlete's last coach. So you want them to keep growing in the sport. You want them to keep going out there, but it, there's, there's some challenges. There's some challenges and just um, making sure that we don't lose this, this, you know, great prize that we have right now of this educational Based athletics. Yeah, I agree. I, one th- go ahead, Coach or well, Aaron. Go ahead. Uh, I, if you don't mind, a follow up question for me. I know, guys, it's hard to believe. Aaron, wait a second. Um, follow up questions. Wait a second. Um, I, since we got Michelle, and I don't want to put you on. I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but that's okay. but He's going to. But he's going to. You, uh, You're ready. You lived, <laughs> you lived in both worlds. I thought very well because you've you know you mentioned you've coached and you've spent a lot of time coaching club volleyball and, and are really a giant mm-hmm. have been a giant in Iowa the club volleyball scene um, as well as the high school scene and I thought you found great balance. Can you just talk a bit about what was going through your mind in terms of trying to balance those two worlds because you you had to navigate both uh, and again I don't think you have 115 kids out for high school volleyball uh, without having a great education, you know, high school-based program, but you also build great club volleyball programs too. What, how did you balance that? You don't sleep. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) You, (laughs) you, I, I did, I, I I had to balance them Um, for quite a few of my years, 11 of my years while I was at Kennedy. I also worked for our region, which was club volleyball. That was my, my, I was full-time employed by them as well as coaching. So I knew both sides of the coin very well. And I think it's just to encourage athletes and their parents to enjoy the space they're in and to find, to find that, that time. The challenges for me were when athletes were choosing not to do track and field because it was club volleyball season. And that was, that was disappointing uh, ultimately it's the athlete's choice, but then we would just, you know, I think it's just talking to athletes and their, their parents. 
I would let them know my greatest disappointments when I was in high school and not that they're going to like, oh, you were disappointed with it. I guess, of course, and I'm going to follow that same path. But I didn't do those other sports that I, I left not even trying because of other things. So I, I don't know, I guess just, just encouraging athletes to be where they are and that there is time and space for them to go off and do the club scene. We are fortunate that this, maybe not last year because volleyball seasons got kind of wonky and they still are wonky, but um, club is opposite seasons of our, of our fall programming. Volleyball's in the fall for high school, but then club is in the spring. So athletes are afforded the opportunity to do both, but I think they really do need someone in their ear making sure that they are pushed to stay, to stay focused in the high school, in the high school game. And I think as long as that voice is loud enough that they'll know that, you know, my high school coach wants me to really focus here, but then if I want to go off and play club, I can. I don't know if that answers it, Aaron, and you could elaborate more on things that you might have seen, but just making sure that we're we're speaking our truth and making sure that our athletes have that opportunity to hear that. No, I, I think you got to what I was, what I noticed, and, and that was just your authenticity with kids and families about um, you respected the fact that if you want to go play club volleyball year-round, that's fine, and obviously that's going to help me as a high school coach come fall, but you always were very open about I believe you'll be missing opportunities that down the road you're going to wish you would have taken. And you were always super authentic about that. And I appreciated yeah. that. So thanks. I want right. to follow up oh. too. just since Aaron had a follow up, I'll take a follow up. <laughs> I just want to make a comment on a, a statement that Michelle made that I'm really now it's buzzing around in my head right now that I think I really want to pass on to our coaches. Michelle, you said, I don't want to be their last coach. I mean, that is a powerful statement when you, I mean, that's full of humility, number one, that we are not the end all, that I don't want to be the only coach in their life. I don't want to be the last coach that they have in the sport that I coach. I want to create such a passion in them that they want to go on and pursue that with another coach at another level. I think that's a powerful statement. And I think that's a powerful way for coaches to think. Um, I think it's our responsibility. Uh, yeah. That's that's great. Thank you for sharing that. And that's going to. But I think that even supersedes even the sport is that, you know, as a coach, we don't want to be their last coach. Um, but that could be, you know, a mentor, you know, in their professional career when it's outside of sports or or another colleague. Um, you know, um, I think throughout our lives, we have different coaches, whether they're our, you know, direct supervisors or colleagues or people we work with or people who work uh, with us. Um, I think we're always getting coached at some, at some level. And, uh, you know, just like we want kids to be coachable. Um, I hope our coaches are coachable. I hope I'm coachable. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a profound statement and I think it exceeds and goes beyond the platform of athletics and activities. And I think it extends like, you know, why we do what we do. It's extends into, um, you know, kids' lives and learning life lessons that are going to take with them far beyond their athletic careers. So thank you, Mark. Now, now that we've got all of our uh, follow-up questions out of the way, uh, you share some wisdom with us here. Um, you know, speaking of the educational 
of the of the athletics, the educational aspect of it, and kind of piggybacking off what you said. And I've I've talked about this for quite some time. It's one of those things that you talk about, and um, it doesn't really happen. But along that whole line of um, not specializing and things along that line, I think that somewhere along the line, parents need to like I think in probably in each community, parents need some guidance on this whole deal. Not like I'm not like saying that they're bad. I don't mean that at all. But I know from going through it myself, I just my my youngest just graduated and she was a she was a, a kid who had a chance at a college scholarship. And, I, you know, I think it's harder in, in girls sports because all girls sports are are um, they're skill based. You know, football is not really skill. You need to go. You're thinking football is go play other sports, you know, but you're a volleyball player. You got to swing and you know, you're a basketball player. You got to shoot and all that stuff. But. I remember feeling very fortunate that as my daughter got into that realm of that world, getting into high school, that I had some, you know, just being in the sports world, that I had some, I had a little bit of guidance, but I still struggled with it as a parent. And I think what happens is, is that these people at a, at a, when their kids are at a young age and they show some sign of promise in one thing and everybody just yells at them, you know, your kids need to play multi-sports, multiple sports. Um, you know, does anybody ever sit down and kind of show them what does that look like going forward or, or, or um, you know, how does the whole thing work as they go through their years of middle school? You know, what what does it mean to be a multi-sport athlete? What what is the benefit of it? And I think so many times that what it is, is you get um, you get, you know, Johnny's a good baseball player. So he tries to find the other baseball parent in the community that happened to get a scholarship and they go ask him what they did. And then they relay what they did. And then that's just what they're going to do. Um, you know, I, I think that educational part for the parents is, is, is something that, you know, I, I've, I just got done talking with one of our, our kids um, parents this year, cause he was wanting to, I can't, it was something to do with football. And he was saying, well, this is what you did with your daughter. Well, right away. It's like, well, first of all, we're talking about two totally different sports. Second of all, that is not what I did with my daughter. Third, you know, you just, there's just so much misinformation out there. And um, I think it's hard to get good information because, yeah. you know, but there, but it does need, I know I, I, I did the same thing I was talking with our, our old, uh, the football coach who I took over for. And I, I remember talking to him and he was, I mean, he's old school and uh, he was like, you know, there's no, no reason to do any of it. And I said, well, if and his, his granddaughter's a really good basketball player, I said, she's going to have to play some, some club basketball she just does that's just and he really he looked I said it, it's just you know I looked at it and you know he was on the complete opposite end but I just don't think that um I and it's and who's the one to teach it you know is it the athletic director's job yeah but no I'm just kidding uh, <laughs> um I, I think there needs to be some education for the parents because the kid isn't going to know um, and, and if they just, like I said, they just go to that one parent whose kid got a scholarship. Well, they just happened to, the kid got a scholarship. It doesn't mean they made the right choice or they made the right path decision. Um, so I, I think that's the hard part is how do you, how do you educate? Because you're right. It is crazy. And I know that when I, when I, my daughter decided she was going to play basketball and, and, uh, and it was like, well, you know, I talked to several people that I really respected and they're like, she has to play AAU basketball. She just does. So she plays AAU, AAU basketball and put a bunch of money into that and she ends up playing softball. So I don't even know what the answer is. Yeah. Thank you, coach. Great, great insights there. So thank, thank you to all three of you. Yeah, really good. 
All right, so now you get to speak to the ADs in the room and over the airwaves. Um, I love it when ADs do this. I mean, when you, when you look back or you, you think about what do you wish ADs would do more of or what do you really like, boy, when they do that, what do you want us to do more of? Michelle? I like it when ADs, um, there's, there's a couple things I'll start off with. First, um, communicate. That's simple. I like to know the logistics ahead of time. It just makes my life easier. I don't have to think about anything. I know when the bus is coming. I know this. I know which door we're going in. The logistics. So communicating the logistics, that just makes my life easier. But the communication goes a little bit further. I'm kind of, I guess, needy. I love connecting. And Aaron always did a great job of building opportunities to find connection. Um, with him, we would meet. And I really, I valued that time, whether it was informal and I'm just popping in his office and saying, hey, you got a minute. Um, him coming down to the gym and having a, like a really brief conversation courtside. I really enjoyed that because it just, I don't know, just felt, it felt like, oh, I'm supported. He's got my back. We're, we're a team here. Um, so building that connection and that communication is important. Um, but Aaron would always, and I, I don't know, this isn't like, I, I, maybe other ADs do this, but Aaron is really great at this. Um, he worked really hard to build growth opportunities for us as coaches. And he would lead some of those or we would, you know, do a book dive and you just really work to learn. And he created opportunities for me, the volleyball coach, to be in the same space as like Brett, the baseball coach and, you know, whomever. So then we could learn from each other because I think sport is universal and educational um, athletics it doesn't really matter if you're coaching track or if you're coaching baseball, if I'm coaching volleyball, we could learn from each other and just building those opportunities, I think is important. And my person, the who I am, really appreciated that. I don't know, maybe not every single high school coach, maybe there's high school coaches out there listening like, no, please, the last thing I want are like more like mandatory <laughs> training opportunities. But me as a person, I really, really enjoyed those. So that's those are some of the things that I really appreciate when the AD does. That's great. And not surprised to hear that Aaron is good at that too. Yes, and did very that. much so. Yeah. Checks in the mail, Michelle. Yeah. Mark, what about you? What do you love it when ADs do? I like it when I don't get the uneducated or the unthought, the, the just rubber stamped no. I thought you did a good job of that too, Todd, where you go in and you ask for something because usually I know for myself, I ask a lot. I do. I know that. <laughs> but to you know to, but I, I would also you know i'd be th i'd think that this is something that i and i and i think our, I, and i know that todd did a good job there and ad now does a good job where you come in and you've thought through something you think enough of it to ask that you know that you're going to go into their office and ask and i've had things in the past where you just be it was no i mean it not it was just a straight out no it wasn't hear me out or anything and I, I really, I know it sounds like you're saying, I'm saying I don't like to hear no, which I don't think anybody wants to hear no, but it makes it a lot easier to swallow when somebody can, you know, they, they listen to you um, 
Why do you want this particular thing? Uh, and then come back. And if they do tell you no, they tell you why. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, and give you an answer. And But there, I tell you what, that was one thing that I just really um, is frustrating is that when you, when you get that, that, that just direct no with no thought. But when you get, you know, when you, when you get some thought put into it, I really appreciate that. That's good. Thank you. Monty, you're kind of wearing both hats, but, uh, you know, as an AD, uh, what do you think is important for AD? Maybe you can, as your experience as an AD now, maybe you can take it whichever way you want, but I love it when ADs do this, or what do you think you do really well for your other coaches? Well, my coaches probably like it when I just stay out of their way. I mean, I'm kind (laughs) of get my hands in everything and that's probably not what they, but I think where I come at it, maybe a little different or, and I still operate this way and and I don't care um, is I'm a coach first. And, and so I treat my coaches as coaches and and I'm not an, you know, I'm not there to, I mean, obviously I evaluate them and if they do something wrong, I'm going to tell them behind closed doors, but I think all in all, they know, as long as they're doing things right, I have their back. I mean, I tell my coaches, they never have to talk to a parent ever. And uh, some of them feel comfortable, but they never have to talk to a parent. I will deal with all parents at all times. Um, so I think long as, and, and the communication piece of it, and making sure everything's set up and rosters, all that piece of it. But I think I get along with my guy because I coach track too. So I've been at both levels of that individual and, and the team sport. And so they can't say, well, he's a football coach and this and that. So I, I've been at both sides of that and, and, you know, track team probably, uh, gets the least amount of anything at this school. And, and I did that for 30 plus years. So they appreciate that. And, and, uh, but I think if they just to know that uh, we're there to get better, we're there for my coaches, I feel are the right coaches doing it for the right reason. And they're here to make kids better. And uh, they got their ego out of the, out of the gig. I think we're in a pretty good place that way. So I would say just knowing that I have their backs. I like that. I think that's important for ADs to remember too. I, I think, um, I think one thing that has probably helped me this year again is I, Mark, I don't know if you knew this, but I coached again this year. I'm coaching girls basketball this year. Um, and, and I, I think, did, I, did hear that. I think it has helped to remind me of what, what that looks like, you know, and I love that. Treat your coaches as coaches, uh, first and foremost. I think, I think that's important. You treat them as people. And uh, I think I've seen, after being away from the game for about 10 years and being on the sidelines, it's made me appreciate that again and made me see it through a different lens. So I like that, Monty. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Thanks to all three of you on that. Um, uh, before I move to the next question, one of the things Mark said there, you know, the not giving the rubber stamp to no. I think one of the mistakes we make as an AD, and I know I made it more often than I should have, is uh, when coaches come to talk to you about something and maybe trying to build something or they're, or they're asking for some extra money in a budget to, to, to do something. Um, I think a lot of times ADs, we will, we, we immediately shift gears into, well, th- this is going to be hard for me because, or this is going to create more work for me because, and that sometimes guides our no. And I think it's important for us to follow Mark's advice there, which is take a deep breath, hear them out, hear their reason for why they want to do what they want to do, and then think it through um, 
from their perspective rather than be, well, how does this impact me as an AD? And we, I know it's a mistake I made an awful lot. So thanks for that reminder, Mark. All right, we're not gonna ask you, I don't like it when ADs do or the things that ADs do because we don't wanna go down that path. The show's not long enough. So uh, our next question, um, I know we all talk as coaches about the parents and, and sometimes it might seem like parents are always enemies, but parents are our allies more often than not. Uh, despite what I think people think. Um, so what do you, when you think about your parents, I love it when parents interact in this way or fill this role in our programs. Uh, Mark, we'll start with you this time. I tell every, our parents every year at the, our parent meeting at the beginning of the year, I tell them, I say our best years, if I go back and look at our best years every year, the, we have the most involved parents. It happens every year. So, you know, and, and you really preach to them right away about how they're a part of the team. And, uh, and, and this year was, you know, we had a, we had a good season this year and, and we had very, very involved parents. You know, they were the parents that were, um, and they, and they needed to be, cause you know, we had things going on, like, uh, you know, we couldn't have water on the sideline. So we had to live in the thousand bottles of this, you know, so we were constantly running out of it. We had parents that were just, I'd, I'd give them a call and 30 minutes I'd have, water or they're the ones that are caught you know what do you guys want do you guys want sack lunches for the road yes you guys have had sack lunches three weeks in a row you're probably tired of that would you like pizza yes you guys there's no school tomorrow we're going to get you up for breakfast yes think just i mean it, the more involved they are the better years that we have it just always happens that way um and the years when they're not as involved we just it just tends to be there are more average seasons and um and this year, it was really interesting, and I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was that they, we all kind of stared down the barrel of a possibility of no football. But I'm not, I don't want to sit here and say that, you know, you, you categorize like, oh, this is the best team. But this is some of the best group of parents we've had as far as they were so appreciative. I mean, even we had a little skid in the middle of the year, and it wasn't, you know, and I, and I talked about this at our banquet. We, we hit a skid in the middle of the year. We got a little banged up. But, you know, we were, it was real fortunate that we were in the situation where we all were going to qualify for the playoffs because of the, because of the pandemic. And I was able to preach to the kids over and over again, you don't, don't panic, just keep things, you know, keep, keep working hard. And, and, and the, again, back to what I talked about earlier, there was no outside force coming in, being upset when we lost two in a row right in the middle of the season. They were very positive, just, you know, they almost kind of bought into the message themselves, but they just stayed involved in, in all the vibe, all the all the messaging and all the the reverb coming back to our team was was positive. And I'm not saying there weren't some negative comments or a few parents didn't go off the rails a few times in the stands. Uh, but um, the message coming back towards the coaching staff and the team was just incredibly positive And that. It just. You know, it was when we left town to go play one of our, our second round playoff games this year. You know, they're standing out there and they're sending us off. And it was like, man, this is really incredible sense of community that we've had here. Like I haven't seen in my 17 years. So that I think is really special. That's great stuff. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate that. Monty, how about you? Uh, you love when parents interact in this way. You know, we don't, um, I don't ask much of our parents, um, and they don't do it. We just do it ourselves. Um, and that's kind of how I want it to be that way. I don't ever feel like not. And again, don't take this wrong or I don't mean this in a bad way. I don't want to ever owe a parent anything. 
you know, again, I'm a parent. I have a kid here and I have some of my best friends, kids gone through here. No matter what you, a parent has their own agenda. Uh, you know, in regards to something, I, I really believe, and there's nothing wrong with their agenda is their kid, and, and whether that's just that he's on the team or whatever. Um, and I really kind of like it when they just, you know, just pick it up and run with it. And it, it's kind of what Mark said. We had we the last five years, you know, kind of started with a mother that had four boys go through here, and she just kind of, I guess you identify her as a team mom, and she just passed this legacy on down, and. Uh, you know, and to another mom and it keeps going. Sometimes that mom's not as good as the previous one. And if something didn't get done, we, we just don't do it. Um, we've been blessed uh, again, like all, like, you know, I'm sure everybody has those parents that really, the mothers, especially that, that just do it for the right reason and, and just want to be a part and make sure that their son is having a positive experience. And so, yeah, I would say I kind of like what Mark was saying there, just uh, those parents that buy in and, and make your job or make the experience, not so much my job, but make the experience for the kids and the players better. You know, your answer there, Coach Kohler, uh, reminds me of the, because with, with what Mark talked about with the best years are when the parents are the most involved and you're talking about, yeah, but sometimes when they get that involved, you don't ever want to feel like you owe a parent something. And tell me this, if you guys as coaches ever heard the, well, that, that kid or that player gets to play because their parents do so much and finding that, that balance uh, between there, you got these involved parents who do a lot, but then of course their kids get the favoritism and that creates divides in your team uh, is an interesting balance. It really is, man. It's, and it's, whether it's real or not, that perception's out there and mm-hmm. uh, you know, we all know what perception is. So yeah. Yes, it is. All right, Michelle, how about you? You love it when parents interact in this way. First, I would say that I feel both of those answers because with a very large program, we we all know that our programs, you know, we have a sweeter feel at the end of the season with all those extra things. And we can't do it. You can't do it as a coach or as a school district. But when the parents do step up and help serve, it's it really it really can make a remarkable memory for these student athletes. So I guess I'm gonna just echo again. Um, I hate going last because <laughs> I feel like <laughs> yep, what they said. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but I do. I feel exactly the same way. Like when a parents when our parents are in in I don't know when when they are there for the right reasons and they just love to serve and they're serving simply, you know you know, regardless if there's an ulterior motive, they keep that hidden. You know, it's like they're serving simply because they want their kid to have a really great and sweet experience. You really, you really do um, appreciate those seasons. We, when I first started, I was more of a, I'll take care of everything kind of girl. I'll just do it. I'll do it. Um, That was before I had a full-time job though, mind you. And so I was like, I'll do it. No problem. Um, I'll, make the programs or whatever. I'll do it all. You know, it's like, I'll do that and I'll create, you know, senior night and I'll make the cake or not that far, but you know, it just kind of feels (laughs) like that. But then as the seasons went on, I realized I can trust the parents and there are great parents out there that really do just want to serve. And then we've created parent support group and that, you know, just, you know, just kind of put more structure to it. So the parents could all 
contribute if they wanted to. And it didn't have to be just Susie's mom. It could be, you know, everyone could have a space where they could, you know, put their talents in to help us. And so just, I just, I guess, accepting the parents that do have their heart in the right space, but then leading with the conversations at those early parent meetings on expectations and just bringing them in and knowing that you want them to be part of the team, but then also putting down the, I guess the, not boundaries, but somewhat boundaries of where and when they should be helping. Boundaries is an okay word. Boundaries yeah. is okay. I was going to so. say barriers, but that didn't sound quite right. So boundaries <laughs> seems even better. Yes, yes. <laughs> We're all well, familiar we always... with fan limitations now, so. Yes, yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. All right. We'll, we'll start this question off with you, Coach Kohler. What will you remember most about coaching? Well, it, it won't be the victories, and, and hopefully it won't be the losses. I think I'd have to go back to what I, Michelle and I said to start with is the relationships, um, you know, with my players and my coaches. And for me, it's I've already – feel it, seen it, whatever, because, you know, I've been at it so long. Um, you know, I've been to the weddings and sadly enough to say the funerals and the baptisms and, um, all of those things. And so I think, and again, the emotions that you're able to share with your players and your coaches, um, you know, I think, and that's life. Uh, so there's uh, obviously there's a lot of great emotions, but even the sad part of it uh, and the tears that you shed with somebody that's lost somebody. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. those are the things you're going to remember because it's real at that point. I mean, I really believe that. And, and uh, I guess that's what I'd say is those relationships that we build. Thank you, coach. Michelle, how about you? What will you remember most about coaching? <laughs> Um, same, exactly the same. Um, it's the athletes and the relationships. I'm grateful to continue having relationships with some of these women, even now that they're, it's ridiculous, married, some of my first athletes, their kids are now coming through the program. I'm like, really, how could this happen? But just like following, following them through their lives and just, I guess just the sweet, the sweetness that we shared there and the fact that they would want to continue a relationship with their high school volleyball coach, you know, just, I I think that's remarkable. If you ask me which seasons, honestly, I can remember which athletes went to state, but I can't even remember like what years, I mean, I don't even know like what our, what our best years were versus our, our, you know, not as, you know, strong with those wins and losses. I don't, I don't know, but you can remember like the sweet interactions that happen mm-hmm. when, especially those that are emotionally charged, both the highs and the lows, we've had some, you know, some tragedies and those, you know, you just really, you really bond together. And I think that's the part that I enjoy most. Awesome. I don't thank miss you, most. Coach. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Mark, what will you remember most? Um, I'd say it's long lines of relationships too. I just, you know, I started thinking back, you know, even right now with it not being over, it's, it's the one thing that gets talked about the most when you sit back and you talk with your coaches about some aspect of football. You don't usually talk about games, just talk about the, the, the moments, you know, be on the field or off the field, the stupid stories, I guess is what I'd say more than anything, just the, just the things that make you laugh and, and that you enjoyed, you know, and it is, it's, it's not, you don't sit there and say, well, you remember, 
that win or something. I mean, that comes up, but it is, it's just the, the moments that you had with the kids and the coaches and, and uh, sorry, just those, those unique moments I'd say would be, that'd be it. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Thank you on that. Uh, you know, that question that, that Scott just asked and this next one, I'm going to ask, uh, one of our goals in this series, um, and I know one of the things I'm planning on doing is, is using this, uh, these conversations to uh, within my program to um, help people see the other side uh, of the story. And none of you three even came close to, and, and, and most of the coaches we know and have worked with over the years would never come close to saying, I'm going to remember that year we went nine and one and made it to the state championship game and, or, you know, fill in the blank. None of you guys even came remotely close to that. And, and I know that's the perception for so many out there that coaches are in this for their own ego and, and because they see that most of them only see the competitive game night side of it. They don't see like coach Cole, you talked about earlier, the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday relationship building that goes on. So thanks for sharing that. And I know you have great answers here. Our next question. Um, when it's said and done, your journey is over. Two parts to this. What, do you hope your legacy with your athletes will be? And what do you, th what do you hope the legacy of your program will be? And Michelle, we'll talk with you. Okay. Um, I would guess that this isn't too much of a stretch because I would guess that I would want my legacy to be that coach Goodall and coach Goodall staff were humans that really cared about me as a person. They were competitive because sometimes that peaks, but they were also more so um, they cared about us, whether or not we were the starters and the ones that were, you know, winning the points, or if we were the last one on the bench or the last one in our program that didn't even get to get on the bench, you know, so um, just the, I just want to be remembered for the coach that cared about them as humans. Thanks, Coach. And I, and I know that's going to be the case being around you all these years. So thank you. Mark, how about you? Um, I hope my legacy is, honestly, I really hope my leg legacy is that I was a good guy and uh, and that I was a positive in impact on these kids' lives. And I, I, I love it when they say, you know, you talk to them on senior night and stuff, and they say you were like a father figure to me. Um, that uh, That's it right there. Pretty simple. But uh, I think that I think that's, I mean, it is something I've spent some time with recently. I've challenged myself on trying to find your, um, I guess it kind of goes into your next question here in a little bit, but the, your mm -hmm. why and what you're doing and, and how, you know, it's like, that's something that's really important to me just to do it the right way. That's what I mean by being a good guy. I mean, you can frame that however you want, but that's, that's kind of, that's it right there in a nutshell. You say it's a simple answer and it's anything, but, um, but a great journey to be on. All right, Monty, how about you? When it's said and done, what do you want your legacy with your players and your program to be? Check your mute, Coach. Sorry. Um, I, I'm probably getting close to that done here. So, But I, that I did it the right way, that I never compromised my principles and my character. I never lived in the gray area of a rule um, that – you know, I, I was a humble servant that I hopefully made a difference in somebody's life. Um, 
you know, and, and again, I cry a lot in front of my kids. I'm not, uh, so I, I don't want the football, that mentality of the false bravado and, and that I, I want them to see us and me, who we are, um, in that, you know, what, hopefully what it takes to live a productive and positive life and, uh, you know, the choices that they're going to have to make and, you know, that it's not going to be easy, but they're going to have to have the courage to stand up and, and, and make that. And, you know, I heard something a while back and, you know, I used to always say this, that we're teaching our kids, um, you know, to be good fathers and good husbands and make right decisions and uh, live, you know, tw- for decisions 20 or 30 years down the road. And, you know, I guess, uh, I don't know if this is a place or time for, but, you know, we're also teaching them, you know, for uh, a life beyond that, for uh, for the eternal life. And there's a piece there that, you know, they need to do the right thing for the right reason when nobody's looking and, and all of that. So, um, you know, I guess that's, I guess there's a lot in that little answer, but, you know, that we did it the right way for the right reasons. Coach, don't worry. I cry all the time, too. Good. I don't feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, my athletes had wagers, like when I would start crying. They yeah. had like really cool numbers. Like, they did. Uh, I think the, 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 the hard part is like, it's like your first day in the gym and you're first getting to know them. And it's like within the first three minutes, tell them how much you just, then you know, it's like, oh, you win. Yeah, I yeah. already, I look them in the eye. You already won. I know. I'm sorry. I'm emotional. This is great though. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I do. I, I agree, Coach. And I think uh, them seeing us for who we are, seeing the real person and, and being authentic is so important. And uh, I, I certainly appreciate that. So we're going to now the next couple are, are reflective. They're they're forward thinking, but uh, they're, they're questions that we ask every one of our guests that come on to the show. And, and that really They've been uh, just great for us. I know Aaron, Scott, and I have really enjoyed getting to know people through these questions. And, but I think it's also good for us as leaders, as coaches, as, as people uh, to think in terms of this uh, as well. So what is your why? When your feet hit the floor in the morning, what drives you forward? Mark, we'll start with you. Um, I touched on a little bit, uh, you know, wanting to be a good guy, but, uh, I really, you know, I, I really enjoyed the, the enhancement of the athlete, of the student athlete, the overall total student athlete, you know, like I, I teach, I've taught for 24 years, I think in all 24, I've only taught weight training. Um, so I teach weight training, um, so that that part of it is big, but I also, I also like the idea of um, teaching kids the, um, you know, like leadership roles and how to be better people, you know, so it's not just a, I'm physically more mature than I was, you know, I'm, I, you know, I physically, I would like our sophomores to look like juniors and our juniors to look like seniors. Um, but mentally and emotionally, I would like our people to be, more mature than they are. So it's just that, that trying to um, enhance the total athlete and, and doing it by being a mentor. That was always something I wish I had when I was, when I was growing up. I mean, I, I had fine. I mean, it was, my childhood was fine and everything, but you know, my dad was a bricklayer who just told me to go to work. That was the only advice I ever got. It's good advice, but it's pretty limited. Um, 
And, uh, and I just, I, that enhancement of the, of the total athlete, um, and, and being a mentor for them, because there's so much of that, that I, I mean, I had a good childhood and I know I missed out on that. There's some things that I wish, wished I had. And I'm, I know that there's a lot of other people that aren't as fortunate as I was. And they're really probably yearning for that more than even, um, the average person. So just being there and being play, playing that role for kids, uh, not just athletically, but emotionally and, and uh, spiritually and all that stuff. Excellent. Thank you. I know you do. Monty, about you, what's your why when your feet hit the floor in the morning? No, this is a tough one for me. Um, cause I, I so many things, I guess. Uh, but I learned early on that, um, what I needed was a vocation, not a job. And, um, so very early on coaching and teaching and, um, you know, trying to be a role model again, early on, I was not a great role model by any means. And, but being able to do that, I love what I do. Um, you know, we've been out of school 318 days and, and I heard Scott say at the beginning that, you know, he, the kids are back and the energy, I miss that energy and the faces and, and all the things that those kids, uh, that, you know, we learn from them. I mean, they give us life, they keep us young and they, you know, so it's just all, everything about a school is my why. I mean, it's just that all the great things. And again, there's bad, I mean, you know, it's like a family, you have your ups and downs, but it's part of life and it's part of growing. And, you know, I'm, I'm that optimist and I look forward to come to school every day. I get my butt out of bed early and I'm here early. And um, to me, every day that I'm here is a blessing and I treat it as such. And, and uh, you know, I guess that's my why. That's awesome. a great one. Thank you. It's yep. awesome. Michelle, what's your why? Um, much the same. Uh, just, I guess, the the blessing of being able to be on this small path, this journey with these athletes for the small amount of their time, you know, their time with us. Um, and just to, to be available in that mentor role and to, you know, just help them problem solve. I think I mentioned that earlier, just problem solve both on the court and what we're doing in the sport, but then problem solve in every other thing that's going on in their life, just, just to be there for them in that relationship. I think is my why. My why starts a little later than Coach Kohler's, it sounds like, because I'm not really a morning person. <laughs> but my why starts like, I don't know, eight o'clock would be a great time to start my why. But, <laughs> but it's all the same. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. There's no time limit on that. That's, no, that's right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much, all three of you. Fantastic. Well, last question. This is, this is the, 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 the one that gets us. So, Coach Kohler, we'll start with you, but if you could go back and talk to, talk to a young Monty Kohler, what advice would you give him now that you've had all these years of experience, almost 40 years of coaching and teaching, what would you go back and tell Monty Kohler his first year? You're on mute, Coach. You know, I think the first thing was don't be so hard-headed. Um, and try to be a better role model from the beginning. Obviously, when I started coaching, I was 21 or 22, and I was closer to them and more like them and, uh, you know, and maybe even early on trying to be like them, um, you know, fit in that way. 
the next stage I think I went through is that father figure stage where you, you know, it's this way, you got to do it that way. And, you know, that kind of dynamic that you have with your father and, and, you know, there's a lot of great things that happen there. And now I think we're kind of moving into that grandfather figure idea <laughs> where it's, uh, you know, I can just uh, really understand a little more empathy. And I think that's something I never really had early on. Um, and I think the last thing is that, you know, enjoy everything about it, uh, you know, that, and it's not so much, I mean, it's only a game, but it's yeah. a great game that's going to give us a lot of tools to be successful and a lot of tools that, um, you know, that we're going to be able to use. And so enjoy and learn and, and never take it too serious, you know, enjoy it, have fun. I mean, that's uh, the first thing I start my coaches meeting with is having fun. I mean, and I tell the kids and coaches, we need to laugh two or three times at practice or there's something yeah. wrong with us. So yeah. have fun with it. Well, I, I know in my short time out in Seattle, I always very much looked up to you and the way you win your programs at O'Day, not only as a coach, but as an AD. So thank you for that. I appreciated that. And the time, the little time we did have together, I did um, very much appreciate your mentorship and, and uh, just your wisdom. So thank you. Thanks, Scott. You were awesome. We miss yeah. you. Yes, thank you. Um, so advice, Michelle, what would you go back and tell a young Michelle good all? Starting off volleyball, basketball, now that you've had all these years of experience and right. all the success you've had. Um, I don't know. I, I, feel like I've, I feel like I've tried to do this, but I would just remind myself just to be authentic and just to be you. You, Michelle, the coach, instead of looking over there and seeing like that coach and they're trying to emulate someone else and just just to be you and do what's right for you and what feels right, because that's going to come off the best. Um, I would say furthermore, the instinct to allow parents to help is okay. Go with that. Cause I think early on, I was just like, no, there's no way parents should not be involved. But then I evolved with that and brought them on as part of the team. And that worked out okay for me. Mm -hmm. um, Aaron will laugh. I think my instinct to call timeouts, <laughs> call the timeout. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> I just never, I just didn't they, I always had such great trust in our team that we're fine, no matter what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. But then when you learn a little bit about the psychology of a timeout, it's okay to call the timeout. It's not as if you're, you don't trust that they're going to have it, have the next play, but call the timeout, maybe bring the whiteboards to the gym earlier. I didn't utilize whiteboards courtside until I don't know, way too late in my journey, but have the whiteboard there because you're, you're, you're teaching and you're, yeah. it's just a, a way to help some of the student athletes. So those are just some things, I guess, most, most sincerely just be authentic to you and don't try to emulate another coach. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Great advice. Mark, how about you? Yeah, it is a good part of going last. You kind of get it. I, I, I don't know. I think Monty had some of the same problems I did, I guess, with, you know, I, I'd agree with everything he had to say. I haven't got to the grandfather stage yet, but I'm still in that fatherly figure stage. But I, I've, I'm right there with everything he said. And, and then when Michelle talked about uh, letting the parents get more involved sooner, I was too. It was like it was like uh, stay away. Um, but uh, I've come to um, kind of 360 on that. And then I would just add into myself to relax because I, I have a tendency to get a lot tight from time to time. <laughs> right, Todd? 
but yeah. uh, I'm better. Yeah. I think, uh, and we've instituted 3D at our school, and I know we talked about it a little bit already, but all three of you are definitely, and you can, you can see why you've had so much success, all three of you. Um, you are definitely 3D coaches. And one thing that I always think back on is I always feel bad for those kids that I had those first years as a coach because I was a knucklehead idiot and probably didn't do it for the right reasons at the time. But I uh, continued to learn and grow right along with my kids, especially those first few years. So if any of my old uh, athletes are out there, Coach Jarvis says sorry. So, <laughs> But I appreciate all three of you coaches being on today. It's uh, been awesome to, to get your insight and perspective. So thank you. Yeah. Aaron, before I wrap up your, uh, your final thoughts or your final. Yeah. Well, just uh, to all three of you and, and you know, I kind of, I, I was talking to Michelle and I invited her to come on and I mentioned we recorded about an hour and I thought, well, that was a dumb thing to say because we're going to get these guys <laughs> talking and just, and then yeah. they have great things to say and you have. So um, appreciate your time your expertise. Mostly I just appreciate the love that all three of you have for kids. Uh, I've known Michelle a long time and I have enough respect for Todd and Scott that, that they wouldn't bring you guys on, on this journey with us. If, if you are not the same types of coaches, you love kids um, and you love seeing kids grow through a sport that you're passionate about. And so thank you uh, for what you've done and the ups and downs and the sacrifices you've made uh, to be the role models you are. And uh, thank you is not a big enough couple of words to say, but it's all I got. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Aaron. Well, and again, thank you, Monty and Michelle and, and Mark. Uh, we certainly appreciate you being on with us. Most of all, your time on a Sunday as we recorded this away from your families. We ask you to be away from your family again for a couple hours. And, um, but we appreciate you doing that. And I'm reminded as I wrap up um, and listening to you again, all three of you, and every time we do this, no matter who our guest is or whether it's just us three, is how fortunate we are to have been a part of athletics and activities. And what an awesome responsibility it has been. But again, how we have been blessed more than we could ever bless anyone else mm -hmm. through everything that we've done. And uh, you three have have just brought that all back around to me again. And so uh, we wish nothing but blessings for you and in, in your continued career and, and uh, uh, your life and your families. And we certainly appreciate you being with us. And I was reminded again of, of, of sport and the power of sport. Monty, you said you're a crier. I'm a crier too. And I cried about three hours ago. <laughs> I was watching the pregame show, uh, the Packers, Aaron Jones. Did anybody see that story mm -hmm. with the shoes? Yep. I'm crying in my living room all by myself. Mm -hmm. um, just thinking about the power of sport mm -hmm. and how a professional athlete can connect with a 12 year old boy dying of cancer um, and wear his shoes. Uh, but that's all done through sport and the passion that, that we have as coaches as ADs, uh, it's just awesome. It's an awesome responsibility. And it's awesome to see those things play out. Um, 
and it's just awesome to see other people impacted by the power of sport. And so uh, the best of luck to you three again. Uh, you don't need luck, uh, but I, we do uh, pray blessings for you and uh, wish you well. And uh, for that, we are just grateful that you joined us. And I know the people that joined us uh, have been blessed as well. So thank you again for that. And uh, for our listeners out there, thank you for listening to the end. Thank you for uh, your support. And thank again to our sponsors, Hometown Ticketing, Gipper, and Varsity Bound HQ for their support of Beyond the Bench. And we'll see you next time. Next time, we're going to be talking with parents about the educational journey, and that will be insightful as well. So uh, thank you again, everyone, for listening, and be blessed, everyone.